welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And today, it's all about Aussie man, Aussie Osborne man. The classic album Clash returns with a battle over which Aussie album reigns supreme, Diary of a Madman or Blizzard of Oz. And the panel debating the merits of each record and song includes uh, myself, of course, my Fozzie bandmates, Rich Ward, Frank Fonsere, Billy Gray, and special guest, the editor of Metal Hammer magazine and huge Chris Jericho Fozzie friend and fan, Merlin Alderslade. How great of a name is that? Merlin Alderslade. If you're from England and your name is Merlin Alderslade, that makes you like better than a knight. It's awesome. We're all huge Aussie fans, and you'll find out how we all discovered Aussie in the first place. Hear about the first time we saw him live. We talked Randy Rhodes, guitar solos, how Randy and Ozzy changed heavy metal music and rock in general. We've got tons of trivia and info on the technical aspects of Ozzy's recording and songwriting. So much cool stuff. Uh, it's a great conversation and debate about one of metal's biggest icons, Ozzy Osbourne, and two of metal's greatest records, Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman. But before we get started with the great classic album clash, let me say a big thank you to everyone who checked out my new show on Octane, a Sirius XM Octane, uh, Rock of Jericho debuted Friday night uh, and if you missed the first show you can check it out again tomorrow Thursday at 10 p.m. Eastern on Octane I believe that's channel 37 or something like that Sirius XM The Rock of Jericho returns on Octane lots of buzz lots of good times we're doing it every month we might move to twice a month though just for you guys but every uh, every show I'll have a brand new uh, uh, new action packed lineup featuring an hour of hand-picked heavy metal and hard rock and tonight, speaking of heavy metal, the home of heavy metal, the UK, I'm in London, England for the Words of Jericho tour. It's been such a great show, a uh, great time. Glasgow sold out two nights ago. Manchester sold out last. And London is on the way to selling out fun stories from my entire career. Music, wrestling, rock and roll, Paul McCartney, Keith Richards, great Aussie Sharon stories, Vince McMahon. Uh, all across the board, Undertaker, Ralphus, I'm telling you stories behind the scenes. You ain't never heard these stories before. Uh, London, tonight at the Clapham Grand London. Still some tickets available, but we'll see you all there. And then, as if that's not enough, enough not, not enough Jericho, Fozzie's getting ready to hit the road again uh, with the Judas Rising Tour Part 4, I think it is. Starting up in August, we got Adelita's Way, The Stir, and Stone Broken joining us this time around. We got a bunch of gigs before then as well. I'm going to run them down for you. Uh, July 12th, Rock USA in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. July 13th, the Kadot Rock Fest in Kadot, Wisconsin. Or is it Kadot? I'm not sure. Uh, the 14th, Peoria Riverfront in Peoria, Illinois. 15th is Belvedere, Illinois at the Apollo Theater. Then we go to Europe for uh, July 26th, the Pheasant Festival in Hungary. Excited about that. Then we're doing Prague, the Rock of Ages Festival in Germany, Zurich, Rock Planet in Italy, Slovenia, Wacken in Germany, Berlin, Bochum, Schaffenburg, Leendes de Rock Festival in Alcalante, Spain on August 9th, Alcatraz in Belgium August 11th, and then returning to the UK, Bloodstock at Canton Park in Walton on Trent, Derbyshire on uh, August 12th. And then we come back to the States once again for the Judas Rising Tour with Adelita's Way, starting off October, uh, August 24th. In 
in Atlanta. Then we got Huntsville, Clarksville, Little Rock, Joliet, Illinois, Omaha, Des Moines, Minneapolis, Fargo, St. Louis, Indianapolis, Fort Wayne, Columbus, Ohio, Cincinnati, Louisville, Charlotte, Jacksonville, North Carolina, Huntington, West Virginia, Greenville, South Carolina, Savannah, Lake Buena Vista, Tampa, Fort Lauderdale, Jacksonville, Florida, Rock Allegiance in Camden, New Jersey, October 6th. Go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket information and all VIP information. We do one of the best VIPs in the business. We do a special concert just for the vips so go check that out fozzyrock.com and in the meantime and in between time let's keep the rock and roll going with the ozzy osbourne classic album clash it's blizzard versus diary and it starts now okay so we're uh, sitting on the uh, top of a double decker bus here and this is uh uh well, well first of all we're, we're we're in newcastle and it's uh rich and frank and billy fozzy and the most heavy metal name of all time Merlin Alderslade. Thank you very much for having me, sir. Which Appreciate is it. he's the now graduated to the to the editor of Metal Hammer magazine. I know, what which was is I? used at first. I think you were just a squire, like used to get me I coffee. Think that was my official term, yeah. squire. Yeah, that's a very English term. But we're sitting. Uh, the last time you heard uh, from the Foz, we were on the Roach Coach bus in the states. Not the worst bus we've had, no. but not the best. This one is the best bus that we've ever had. Yeah, and the best driver, Paul. This is pretty nice. Yep. Best driver, Paul, we've ever had over here in Europe. A great bus, and uh, things are going well. Not Paul DeLeo, by the way. Well, He's not driving. That's Paulie D. <laughs> and we're, we actually have a, a lounge at the front of the bus, and we're looking at the Tyne River, Merlin has told us. And we're getting ready to do the classic album Clash, which, um, as you remember, is a debate over which one of these two albums is the better of the two albums. And we're talking about Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman by Ozzy Osbourne. And this started with you and me, didn't it, Merlin? Uh, we were texting. Yeah, we were talking about, I think we were starting off on Maiden albums and then we moved off to Ozzy albums. And then we, you, at some point you said, we should actually we should actually do a thing on this because we're yeah, both we big should. Ozzy fans and we have a couple of different opinions, I think, on yeah. this. So. so what we're going to do in this case... Um, it's basically a track by track and we'll get into that in a second so we're going to eliminate d because d is track number nine it doesn't fit and it's a uh, you know great little guitar noodling doodling thing but that it's not up for review so we're going for the basic eight tracks and eight tracks so uh talk about when you first heard these records frank um so is this like an opening argument like if you were yeah, an attorney we're, we're just like, going to explain a little bit okay. about about the yeah, records and you yeah. know a little bit about about the relationship that you have with both these records because like we did the last one with with brian posein and frankie kazarian with ride the lightning and master puppets we both agree they're classic classic records yeah. and it's you know by a hair which one is quote unquote better but let's talk about the history of these albums with with our individual lives. Is it Frank? Go ahead. Um, do you want to not mention which one I think is better? No, first? no, you don't mention that first. No. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll probably end up revealing it anyway. Well, you but... can just do what you want. There's no rules here. <laughs> okay. Talk is Jericho. It's not Nazi Jericho. It's talk is Jericho. <laughs> so, um, Dire of a Madman was my introduction really to Ozzy. You know, when when uh, Sabbath was at their peak, I was a big Kiss freak, and Kiss like was my entire world and nothing else existed to me so i mean you know i knew of black sabbath you know and i knew of some of the songs and everything i had an awareness of them but you know i i hadn't delved into the albums and everything so um by the time ozzy started his solo career i i, I didn't really know a whole lot about him until i started hearing stuff from diary on the radio and bought the record and thought it was fantastic and that was kind of my introduction to ozzy so i i hadn't really heard 
blizzard, you know? So yeah, that it was like 81. And one of the things I remember specifically about that era, not necessarily about the album, but I remember uh, I had broken my arm and I had to be in the hospital for like a week. And I remember being driven home at, from the hospital and the radio was on and I think it was either flying high again or um, either that or over the mountain and I was digging the song because I'd heard it and I was like yeah I love this song you know and then the, probably the flying high again that was like the single that was on the radio at it, least in Canada it may have been yeah and uh, I just remember uh, after the song the DJ saying something to the effect of yeah that was flying high again or whatever by Ozzy Osbourne dedicated to guitarist Randy Rhodes who was just killed yesterday and oh wow in a freak plane crash and I was like whoa man that's heavy I mean I didn't really know who Randy Rhodes was at the time I just knew he was the guitar mm. player for this Ozzy Osbourne guy but just I, I just that's a very specific memory attached to that record I don't know if I already had the record or bought it subsequently but um I just remember, you know, unfortunately, you know, one of the events in my becoming aware of like Ozzy and becoming a fan and everything was hearing about, you know, the death of Randy Rhodes. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, oh, I need to I need to figure out who these people are, you know. So, so there's a little bit of, of age differences. I mean, we're similar ages, Frank and Billy and Rich, but Maroon's a little bit younger. So how did you get hip to these records? Yeah, I was going to say, I came into it a bit Oz Backwards, I think, because uh, the first Aussie song... Oz Backwards? Oz back. Very good. <laughs> Very good, sir. Because <laughs> uh, I, I remember I actually picked up, funny enough, an issue of Melt Hammer um, in, I think it was around 2000, and uh, it had a, a, a free VHS on it. <laughs> Glory days. A free VHS. I know, right? Wow. Glory days. And um, one of the... those? I know. It's crazy. <laughs> and, um, and I knew Piss All that was on it. One of the songs that was on there was a live um, <laughs> recording of Perry Mason mm. uh, from Ozfest from mm. the, 90, the late nineties. Um, so I went out and got Osmosis. That was actually the first Aussie album I ever got. Um, I thought it was a great album. Still think it's one of the most underrated Aussie albums going. I love it. Uh, I can give you that. It gets a little bit too nineties uh, grungy. I'm I'm down with that. I'm but fine like with that. Like Thunder Underground and 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 oh, I love that tune. tune. Like Perry Mason is great. Like yeah, there's my, so many. My Jekyll don't hide. Is yeah, really yeah, cool. yeah 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 um, yeah. Yeah it's it's uh, and then so first thing i did went straight to um i can't remember what record shop it was went into a record shop next thing first thing i saw on the aussie i was an album called tribute um which of course is one of the is the, the live album with randy one of the greatest live albums of all time um went and picked that up played it thought it was absolutely incredible you know um, i'm very much of a, a new metal generation yeah um, and i'd never heard guitar playing like that before in my life interesting you, know, you just don't get that with taproot so i was like this, i was like this is from Amazing. a new metal standpoint, there really wasn't guitar players. I had, like I had no reference oh, yeah. point for that kind of stuff. And then you are a there, young man, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. Uh, and then, yeah, so from there, I became a Randy Rose fanatic and mm. went straight out and got those those first two Aussie albums and, and a lot of other stuff off the back of that as well. Rich? Yeah, I have a similar kind of experience as Frank in that I discovered Ozzy through his solo material, not... Uh, Black Sabbath. I was familiar with Sweet and Leaf. I was familiar with Iron Man and Paranoid because they were on the radio. But at that point in time, I was more of a rock guy, uh, meaning I really liked what was on the radio, which would have been Boston and Kansas and Rush, Sticks and Journey and Ted Nugent, ACDC, ZZ Top, Led Zeppelin, Hendrix, The Who. That was kind of the staple of the rock music that I was exposed to because Atlanta was not a heavy metal market. It was a rock market. So Sammy Hagar was seriously heavy. Like, there's only one way to rock. I was like, that's heavy. And then, so listening to, I, I heard Crazy Train. I was aware of, of that 
you know era but it's still at that time i think i had just kind of was discovering maiden and priest at the same time and for some reason in my mind i i was a little more attracted to maiden and priest than i was blizzard at that time because at the, at that moment in my life it, i was looking for what was the darkest heaviest you know i was like that kid looking for those things that was taboo right you know because we're, we're pressing our boundaries and limits with our parents and society and although i thought crazy train was a great song uh it seemed a little more rock to me than listening to you know uh some of the wrath child by iron maiden and things that seemed a little more dirty and seemed a little more dangerous uh but i later when diary came out that record was so different from people a lot of times will say that blizzard and diary are a lot alike but i don't think so at all i think there's a complexity to diary there's also um uh, uh something the album is much more polished I, I can't say because I wasn't there. It seems like there was more time taken in the recording process. But they were, but they were recorded at basically the same time, weren't they? There was a, there was a there was a few months in between. Each yeah, album. they weren't like the same session. Okay, they gotcha. were recorded very close together, but not, not the, the same, same session. session. Gotcha. And it, it like when I listen to Blizzard, the precision of Randy's guitar playing on the rhythm parts doesn't seem like he was given as much time because when you listen to Diary, there is an execution on that record where it's not that Randy got better. You know, when you you and I are in this, we've we all been in the studio. We know what making records is. The difference between something that's the execution is there is not necessarily anything more than just having a little more time to fine tune it. And remember, this is a band on their second record. And after a little bit of touring, they're all of a sudden coming of age and they're discovering who they are. And Randy is all of a sudden blossoming as a player, too. Because, I mean, a song like No Bone Movies would never appear on Diary because all of a sudden they went from a rock and roll band into something that was darker and more composed and more orchestral, something that felt like um, what happens if Meatloaf had sold a soul to the devil? You know, like there's these songs that felt like they could be Broadway performances, right? I mean, yeah. like yeah. Ozzy's doing these amazing, you know, so... I really, uh, I mean, I, th I love both records, but they are different albums, which I, um, hmm. you know, again, I listened to them both with headphones last night and I made notes uh, because I wanted to hear them with the ears of to have this discussion. And I was really shocked and taken back about how different those albums are. I get a sense of uh, what side of the debate you're going to kind of come on as we well, go along. I love here. them both because they both do something different, right? right, right it's right. similar to Ride the Lightning and Master mm -hmm. Puppets. It's like... They're both excellent, but they, the, they... the maturing is the same between the two albums, between Ride Master and Blizzard and Diary, for sure. Yeah, it's almost as if with Blizzard of Oz, he wanted to uh, musically kind of uh, separate himself from Black Sabbath because mm -hmm. it's a lot more, like you said, of a rock record. I don't want to say poppy or anything, but the subject matter is not as dark as on on Blizzard. Yeah, yeah. Steal Away the Night, No Bone Movies. Right, there's not know. as much of kind of the occultish little... Uh, you know touches especially with like the album design and everything else so i think he was trying to you know kind of disagree with that well i mean to some degree you yeah. know he is ozzy he does have like, yeah he does have like a rams right. skull or something like that on there but, but i mean but lyrically and song wise i mean it doesn't really it doesn't really evoke that kind of thing mm -hmm. if you're just listening to the music you know like crazy train and i don't know you know are kind of they're kind of personal songs as opposed to, um, you know, about demons and, sure, sure, you know, sure. stuff and like that. And let me jump on what he's saying really quick, uh, is that I think what I, I agree with what Frank is saying, except for that I think that 
they were fine-tuning it. Right. So even though there was Mr. Crowley and there's the cult stuff that's right. happening on Blizzard of Oz, it's that self-realization. You know, it's yeah, like yeah. when you do things over and over and you start to, like, you write a song like Mr. Crowley and then all of a sudden it clicks. We've done that. Mm. You know, we wrote Lights Go Out. We were like, boom. You know, like, all of a sudden, then that plants seeds for future songs because you realize that you've tapped into something that's, that works for you, that, that, that takes all the boxes of who you are as an artist and what we did that really connected. Right. Billy, how'd you uh, come to relationship with these albums? Um, I started uh, in junior high school when I heard Flying High Again on the radio with my mom in the car, and that was around the time that uh, Ozzy had bitten the head off of a bat. So they were talking about it on the radio, and... My mom was like, oh, that's so stupid. And I was like, well, mom, let's hear the song. So, you know, the song came on and uh, and just the hauntingness of the guitar tones and the way Randy played, used the, the phase effects and just Ozzy's melodies just got me on that. And um, Were you it, playing guitar at that time already? Yes, I was. Because Rich will tell you that back in high school, Billy Gray was the, was, was the gunslinger uh, in Charlotte, right? Billy Gray was the best guitar player uh, of our age group in the city of Charlotte and we went to different schools and yet I had still heard of Billy Gray and the reason I heard about Billy Gray is that he could play Eruption and he could play Randy Rhodes solos and that's unheard of in my circle of friends like we were still learning Mick Mars and ACDC <laughs> like we were in the basics hey ACDC Mick Mars hey. is badass oh yeah but that Dude. that's yeah. the foundation hey, Billy had evolved past he was playing technical stuff that most 13 year olds and 14 year olds in our little circle friends didn't and, and it was always talked about you know in a town like hey, that guy he can play eruption holy yeah. crap you're you still sitting there going da, 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 yes. da, da. not even that good yeah <laughs> did, uh, billy continue but first i want to say how long did when you were practicing these riffs and, and the solos did it take you a long time to figure them out yeah it took me a long time i would uh, i got lucky my dad had a little uh little tape recorder so i would tape it off the radio and on the tape recorder was a slowdown button so I could slow down the wow. solo and learn learn it note for note or close as close to it as I could get and then speed it up and, and just practice a lot. So uh, I used to practice all the time. All my friends were out there uh, breaking in houses and shooting windows out with BB guns. And my family, <laughs> my Lord. dad was like, no, you're going to stay home tonight. You're not going out tonight. So I was like, okay, cool. I'll just practice guitar. It worked out really well. And, You're taking uh, a break from breaking into houses tonight. Yeah, son. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just remembered they all got busted one time for freaking shooting out a bunch of windows on Christmas, and and uh, I walked up. I'd been out of town, so I walked up, and uh, everybody was. The police were driving up, and I was like, well, I better turn around and go this way because I wasn't involved in this. <laughs> yeah. But it was all because of Randy Rhodes and guitar and Eddie Van Halen and rock and roll. Did you did you uh, get into Randy before he passed away or after? Uh, actually, after I really, because it was around the same time, like soon after the bat biting incident happened. Then that's when the plane crash happened, which actually was on my birthday, on my twelfth. No birthday. kidding. Yeah, it's say it happened. Wow, on the was same it December eighteenth? March nineteenth Mar is when he passed away. Uh, yeah, eighty-two. So, wow. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah. you always have that uh, that date in your mind. Yes, for sure. And uh, and you know the difference between. Those two, the two albums, Blizzard and, and Diary, you know, uh, to me, there is a definite hauntingness on the Diary record and a definite, you know, you could tell they spent time, like Richie said, and it's darker. And uh, a fact that I've learned is on uh, Blizzard of Oz, they tuned in standard tuning. 
all the songs are written in standard tuning. On Diary, they dropped it down a half step. Really? Yes. All the songs are dropped down a half step. To make it which, sound heavier? Which makes it, well, to, uh, to adapt to Ozzy's voice. Oh. And it actually, you know, it does make it sound, uh, it's lower, so kind of goes a bit heavier. So, mm, yeah, that's a little fact about that. So, for me, um, as we play revolving microphones, we're a good team here. Um, <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> I was a huge, and I think I've told this story to you guys before, but I was a huge Beatles fanatic when I was in elementary school. And even into grade seven. And when I say fanatic, I knew everything about the Beatles. I knew all the albums. I knew all the trivia. Stuff that we talk about now, I knew it when I was like 11 or 12. When I went to junior high school, it wasn't cool to be a Beatles fan. And I remember I'd even made a Beatles t-shirt out out of a, a, a picture that I cut out of the newspaper, black and white, and got that old school silk screen printing on there and people would laugh at me like so as crazy as that sounds it was not cool to be a beatles fan right and i saw all the chicks that i liked had priest maiden or aussie shirts and i was like if i ever have any chance of getting a date i gotta go check out one of these bands so i went down to red river comics uh down in winnipeg and i went and i looked and i saw blizzard of oz cassette for two dollars and i bought it and I put it on, and right off the bat, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. And then it hits Goodbye to Romance, and I'm like, this is a Beatles song. Like, I get the connection. Like, oh, this is just the, this is like the Beatles influenced this guy, too. So that's how I got And then Winnipeg is an Aussie town. Like, people love Aussie in Winnipeg. And I remember when I went to um, Ukrainian summer camp with my cousin Chad and Todd, that there was this little kid running around going, ah! Because it was right when, when Blizzard came out crazy to me. Before I was a fan, I just, I, I, I. I'm like, what is this kid doing? It's driving me nuts. So when I finally heard Blizzard a couple years later, I was like, oh, that's what that kid was doing. He must have heard. I, I, I. But everybody loved Ozzy in Winnipeg. And I remember we even had a seance one night, and Sharon Warecki uh, was a Randy Rhodes fanatic. And this is years after he died, because I got into this about, not years, but 83 maybe, I guess, so a year or two. And and uh, uh, she tried to uh, invoke the spirit of Randy Rhodes. And she claims that a hair fell from the ceiling, a blonde hair that was like, so it was like, ah. Wow, well, that's she, entirely possible. Sharon Warecki, yeah, and she had the Randy Rhodes hair. And that was always the thing where, like, Randy Rhodes was this mythical guy because he had died so young. And, of course, I really had never seen him play, never had the chance to see him play. Um, but then started like following his work. Did you guys, anybody here ever see Randy play? Nope. Never got to see him play live, no. Okay. So, um, and those two records, which, which is Blizzard of Oz, which came out on September 20th, 1980 in the UK and March 27th, 1981 in the United States. Die of a Madman came out November 7th, 1981. So, in our country, or you, you know, not in Canada, I'm sure it's around the same time. Both those records came out within six months: April, May, June, July, August, September, October. Seven months. Mm. How crazy is that? Just a different time, man. Like, yeah. The, well, the, like the rate know. of albums that came out in those days was just crazy when you look back on that era now compared to the idea of a band. I mean, Ozzy was a massive name still at that point, and the idea of someone just piling out albums one after the other year after year year. it's crazy of that quality as well yeah well think about you know the the early kiss days where they put out an album every six months the first the first six studio and two live albums that kiss did were all within six months of each other yeah and that's the beatles model they do three albums in a year and three singles 
I think it's a good model, actually. Well, I mean, I mean, geez, <laughs> yeah. if you can write, we'd songs have to like convince it. fans that we're only going to put eight songs on an album, though. That's yeah. the big thing. That's yeah. true, of course. That's true. Another thing I was remember too about Winnipeg is that um, I, I didn't go see the show because I was, still wasn't into it. But everyone coming back the next day after seeing the Diary Tour, and everyone was uh, buzzing how Ozzy hung the midget. Ah, yeah. <laughs> Specifically, right. like Ozzy hung the midget, man. All the skids, like the total, like Winnipeg. Ozzy hung the midget, man. Did you see it last night? Holy shit, it was crazy. Yeah, man. Ozzy's Ozzy, man. Ozzy, Ozzy. Like that's what you would hear all day long about Ozzy, 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 Ozzy. Did it work with the girls, by the way. Uh, actually, I remember Marcy Wood was the girl that I liked, and thank you, Shout for- out Marcy Wood. Marcy Wood. Shout out to Marcy Wood. And I remember trying to impress her by, I was listening to Mr. Crowley on my Walkman, in the park, and um, obviously you couldn't hear it unless maybe could you pull the speaker the. So in my mind, I could hear it, and I remember playing Mr. Crowley on her fingers, using her fingers as a keyboard. Hold your, hold your hand up, Billy. So, oh, the other way. So I'd be like, wah, 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 like playing the keyboards on the fingers. I mean, like unturned on, just looking at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like just panty yeah, dropping. Uh, never kissed her. Actually went on a date with her, but I did try. That was my big pickup. I was going to say, I wish I could have gone to the high school you went to, man. Yeah, that same. Stuff, I was just thinking. The high school dude, I went to, that stuff would not have worked at all. Super tight jeans and three-quarter baseball Aussie shirts was the uniform of the day for the hot chicks in the neighborhood. Yeah, see, I went to a very preppy high school where like Ozzy Osbourne was not appreciated by the female population so but, Dude, but, I was into new metal, and let me tell you now, going into the baggy jeans and the baggy uh, yeah. and dyeing my hair purple and spiking it up, that did no work. <laughs> Rich, you had a diary shirt. You just posted the picture uh, the other day after we saw Ozzy. Yep, I had my the 12-year-old Rich Ward sporting my uh, Diary of Madman shirt sleeves cut off. Yeah, <laughs> I'd already started the uniform early. Yeah, because I... I mean, again, I was doing what all teenage or preteens are doing, which is you're pushing boundaries, right? Yes. I mean, Ozzy was back then, he was the equivalent of, you know, what Slayer became kind of at some point, which is that, oh, my God. And, and then throughout history of rock, I mean, people are continuing, you know, I guess the Sex Pistols before Ozzy at some point. Yeah. But there was those things like you wore those things in order to proclaim that you're an outsider. Mm-hmm. And that's how we you know find our place and, and Ozzy was such an everyman like he, I think that's one of the reasons why Winnipeg liked it because Winnipeg is very much a, a working collar blue collar city like like hockey and rock and roll and wrestling and beer and uh and like Ozzy would you know he, like you said he, he, he'd piss on the Alamo and get in trouble and then you know he'd shave his head or he'd show up one day and be like you know 30 pounds too heavy like he was just a dude almost like he was a rock star, but Ozzy was like our rock star. You know, there was no pretense with him at all. Yeah. Still get that with him as well, even now. Like Still he, seems that way, right? Yeah, he was on a program called, have you ever seen Gogglebox? I don't know if you have like an, an American or Canadian no. equivalent. It's this program, reality TV show where people, where you watch people watching television. I know that sounds oh, stupid. Oh, really? It is, it's terrible. It definitely they sounds a, stupid. It is stupid. And they did a celebrity one the other day, and Ozzy and Sharon were on it, and everything Ozzy said was just, like, everyone else was kind of playing along with it, kind of going, oh, this is a great show, or this is that, and this that, and Ozzy was just there, just going, this is f- rubbish. This yeah, is but, brilliant. But, but like, that was a it, terrible Birmingham accent. But, but even though now like, he's, he's sober, and he always wears, he always he looks good now. He's got cool hair, and his, but back then he'd be wearing, like, 
Indian buckskin trousers on stage, the gut hanging over, and like, and relatable. Like I said, like Ozzy's drunk, and Ozzy, he's just like, he looks like the guys in the crowd. When he shaved his head, you guys remember that? I remember that. He came back and had like a kind of an auntie haircut for a couple of years after that. Yeah, but he just, he just showed up. Like, no one had bald head back then. Nobody. You didn't shave. If you were in a rock band back then, you did not. Nobody had, even if you were losing your hair, you'd pull scorpions and put a hat on. Unless you're a drummer for April Wine. Yeah, or, yeah, or, or, or Chris Slade. Right. You know? But it's like, I, do you know why he did that? I think it's just a product of he's an alcoholic, terrible drug addict. Yeah. I think yeah. that's what people who are messed up do. They just yeah. do dumb things. I'd right. be stunned if he knew why he shaved his head. Yeah. <laughs> he was probably drunk and just got to, you know, figure like, oh, shave me head, you know. I'm thinking maybe he got his head caught in the, ha uh, hair caught in the door like in uh, <laughs> 16, candles. Like 16 candles. 16 candles. <laughs> <laughs> Had to cut it out. Who should shout in my stock? <laughs> All right, let's go through the track by track here. So, um, and, and and we both have our favorites, and we can kind of divulge that later on. But the idea that Merlin and I originally had, which kicked off this classic album clash, actually, was go song by song. It's a battle of each song, and it's some of them are hard. It's not easy because uh, they are sister albums. Blizzard starts off with "I Don't Know," and Diary starts off with "Over the Mountain." Rich, kick it off. They're both perfect songs. Yeah, they're both A plus songs. You can hardly find anything to pick apart. If I had to go with one song, it would be Over the Mountain. And the reason is, is just because of how brutally heavy it is by those standards in that day. I mean, Randy. Covered by and it was, uh And the other part of it was, again, tipping the hat to the uh, the Beatles and apologies all of his little changes always had that little Beatles musical thing yeah. and it, it's a brilliant song whereas I don't know is an uh is a great song but it's more of a rock song where you it, over the mountain comes out of the gate with one of the most classic drum fills and all of rock and roll maybe riding on the wind is the mm -hmm. you know of just really classic uh, drum uh, fills where eagles dare yes <laughs> and i i really think that it's and then also over the mountain uh, also i think randy's execution and his tone was there he was the fully realized rock star at that point nothing against i don't know but when i listened to it last night i was shocked at how loose the moments were not in a bad way but in the way that you hear on some zeppelin or acdc well, there's records. a screw up on the riff isn't there well the there's, a, there's a few little bits here he does a little bit of a nuance and, and i noticed when he would do his slides the slides didn't always go at the same time and i think that came down to first record right where you know uh, sharon's in a race you know ozzy's in a race to get out there and uh, I think on this, on when you just look at the entrance of both songs, I'm gonna have to give it up for Over the Mountain. Billy, I'm gonna go with uh, Over the Mountain as well. I uh, that was actually the second Ozzy solo song I heard, and when I heard that, I was definitely completely blown away. I I, I got into um, to Diary before I was even familiar with Blizzard, mm -hmm. and um, just like Rich said, just the tones of the guitar and and the melodies and all the the musical changes they hooked me off the bat and then when randy hit the guitar solo it was like nothing i'd ever heard before 
and it really blew me away. And how about the stops and the solos? Oh, God. The greatest. It the greatest, the way they they composed that. What do you call it when it's like, is that a tritone, or is that just a... Interesting way to play a solo. Yeah, it's just an interesting way to flat five. Yeah, yeah, yeah interesting way to play flat it. five. It's yeah, yeah, and he did harmonies in it as well. He overdubbed those harmonies and made it really haunting. And uh, just I'm going over the mountain, but I do love I don't know as well because when I heard that and heard the opening riff, I was blown away by it. By it, and they used to uh, open with it, mm. you know, a lot as well. So when I saw Ozzy a few times, he opened with I don't know, which is a great song as well. So. I'm going to give it to I Don't Know. Um, I think it's the quintessential Aussie song, and it seems weird to me when he doesn't open the show with it. He, we just saw him last week yep. in Sacramento. He opens with Bark at the Moon, and it's not right. It's like when Kiss doesn't open with Deuce or Detroit Rock City. It just doesn't fit for me. And that riff, I just... And once again, it's the first Aussie song I ever heard because that's the first tape that I had of Aussie, and I just yeah. remember hearing this like... Gong, gong, like a gong kicks yeah, off that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how '80s is that? It's a lot of fun to sing, and it's a lot of fun to watch Ozzy sing. I think it's a great solo. Once again, "Over the Mountain" is awesome too. Fozzie covered it on our first record, but I'm going to give the edge. To, I don't know, Merlin. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to back ride that now as well. It's, it's interesting hearing you guys come at it from a, a real musician's point of view and talking about how Randy perfected his craft and kind of you could tell that they built on stuff um going into that second record which i definitely agree with i don't actually think the two songs are that dissimilar in the in those opening riffs it's that kind of like digga 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 thing um but to me like i I think i don't know it's just a bit purer it's a bit more straight on it's got less dicking about in it um and to to be on more christmas yeah so to use the what i think is the technical term um and what i probably will go back to a lot again is that tribute album because when you hear him play those songs live the first song on that album is um i don't know and it comes off that um, um, I can't remember what the piece is, but that famous piece where it's like, da, da, yeah, da, ha, ha, ha. yeah, and then is you that hear what it's called, yeah, yeah, cool, yeah, and then you hear you hear Ozzy just go rock and roll, and he goes straight into that riff, and it's just like, <laughs> oh, that's as good as it gets. <laughs> Only so, Ozzy yeah, so can get away me. with opening a show, but just go rock no, right, go f- crazy, yeah. <laughs> Frank. You're both wrong. <laughs> uh, no. uh, I, I, I got to give it to Over the Mountain far and away for me. Again, I don't know. Good song. Not downing the song at all. It's a classic. It's been in the set. Probably every set he's done, it's been in there for a reason. But to me, Over the Mountain is way better song. It's just... Um, and it, it, I, I could be influenced by the fact that it's one of the it, probably the first song of his I heard. But first of all, being a drummer, the drumming is way better on on Over the Mountain. I mean, that fill that opens it is just insane. I mean, every teenage <laughs> every teenage drummer when they heard that, it just spun their head around. And it's just got that little bit of a darker edge, more aggressive edge than I don't know. Um, and Randy Rhodes' solos is one of my favorite guitar solos ever. I mean, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite songs ever. And I hate that it hasn't been in the live set since then, you know, and I, I can assume why. But Ozzy but, can't sing it anymore. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Ozzy's badly changed his sets for about 20 years now, to be fair. To right. Well, yeah, he so. never does, right? But, and, you know, like on that tour live, they didn't, what was the name of the thing that he always uses, the Gregorian chant? Carmina Yeah, he didn't use that. He he used the end 
of Diary of a Madman. He oh, used that yeah, operatic yeah, yeah, yeah. piece at the end of Diary. Was that the Diary of a Madman tour? Yeah, that was the Diary of a Madman tour. You saw it with Brad? No, I didn't. I've seen. I've seen video of it. I didn't get to see it live. No, gotcha. But you know, using that and then you know go crazy and that it's just like dude that's that doesn't mix for me to me it's yeah you can't no, you can't open a show better than that, man. that that drum fill with the spark the spark shooting out and then you know that riff i mean that's just and i think we can i think again the, i think the reason that the three of us are seeing this is because as young musicians one of the reasons why Ozzy doesn't play any material off a of Diary of a Madman is because it is complex, yeah, yeah. and it and it is more difficult to pull off. And I don't, I think he'd rather play the rock music, mm-hmm. whereas uh, he'll stick Believer in the set every now and again for two does, for yeah. two songs and yeah. two shows, and then dump yeah, dump it, it because yeah. it's very hard. <laughs> that's opportunity for Zach Wilde to go wing over it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think that's part of it is the, um, is is the idea that they were also in the same race that everybody was with one upmanship every that's the 80s was all about uh, you know being better than motley crew and van halen everyone was wanting to be the best and that diary went over the mountain came out you knew that uh they went back the oh, same I, way that black sabbath did I, on that's what i think i don't think he was up against crew and rat he was up against sabbath Against Ronnie James Dio's That's Sabbath. Right. Yeah. yeah, exactly. The same thing. He wanted to beat the Goodbye to Roman says, oh, man, it's in the lyrics right there. Yeah, right, right, right. Rich, I just have to ask you, on Over the Mountain, on the second and third verse, when he's doing the, the 16th note, just strum, and the second and third verse, he adds that little accent. But like one time it's off the snare. The first time he does it, it's off the snare drum. And the second time he does it, it's on the snare drum. You think that was just a mistake that it turned out cool and they left it? Or you think that was intentional? I think the I think on that record, it sounds like they rehearsed more. It sounds like the album, the, 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 the material was rehearsed. That was probably something that happened in rehearsal. And, that yeah. you know, that sounds like something he worked out because it was super tight. And that's one of the that's one of the characteristics that makes me love that song is just like each verse isn't a carbon copy of the other one musically you know it's like it has that little bit of difference each one has that all right let's bit go of into the singles from the record uh another hard choice of crazy train the classic which Fozzie has also recorded uh versus flying high again frank why don't you start that one i gotta give it to flying high again you know even though crazy train is like his classic song and again it's not a bad song but i just I just like Flying High Again better. And um, one of the things I don't like about the album version of Crazy Train is the 16th note pattern on the hi-hat. Sounds very, <laughs> just too, it, it doesn't drive. That's, you know? that's real neat nip. Yeah, it's a, well, I'm a, it's a Kira de Jumbo over there. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> because they did they did change it for the live yeah like Tommy Aldridge didn't do that like so when he would play you, explain it to the rest of us uh, layman here what are you giving us an example of what you're of what Bobby the about. It so they can understand yeah. yeah so you know 16th note pattern is one and a two and a three and a four and a yeah he's playing 16th note disco beat it's a disco beat so they don't do that live no live is just you know straight like quarter notes or eighth gotcha and like so if you listen to the difference um and also there's a big difference live where when he's doing the hits on the toms of on the record is he's just hitting a bass note with it and live 
they're hit, he's hitting guitar chords with ba down, ba down. Oh, bow, I see. Bow, bow. Yep. And when I hear the album version of Crazy Train now, I, I miss all that. I miss those big guitar chords. I think chords. that's fair. There is one of those songs where once you've seen it live enough times, you do yeah. go back and you're kind of waiting. It's almost like listening to Rock and Roll Night from Kiss Alive and listening to the one that, the, the, the from, yeah, from all Dress the difference in the world. Because even like the beginning, dun dun, well, he plays a little solo part. Yeah, well, yeah. That, which stayed to this day. Yes. Yeah. Which means that, uh, as we all have acknowledged, is that sometimes you record a song on, in, in, you know, in the studio, and you've left oh, yeah. room for improvement. Some songs don't need improving; they're right. perfect on that. And Crazy Train for me, same as both of you guys have always said, that the live version was always better, way better. Uh, and I think part of it was they just they just close the door soon too so you're, soon so you're taking flying high again as well absolutely has to be and the reason is too is that uh uh crazy train is a song about he's going crazy right and yet the the verse is a major melody and a major guitar like, crazy but that's how it goes doesn't to me the melody and the riff doesn't capture the the concept of the song it doesn't work for me. Millions of people. It's a bit status quo, isn't it? Just yes, kind of it's like, a little. Da, 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 it is. And you're saying the band status quo, not stock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas flying high again. Oh no! Oh, da, here we go. It sounds now. like you're high. Yeah. I mean, he captures the spirit of of those <laughs> lyrics, but even the band. I mean, everything about that. It. I think it captures it. But come on. No, no, don't worry. I've been a bad, bad boy. That's pretty, pretty major chords too. No, no, pretty happy. No, no. I mean, it's not. It's still minor. Yeah. But, but he's. But the other cool thing about it is that Bob Daisley, that like all oh, he's, I mean, he's he walking going the dog down like he, on that song. Freaking, I mean, that's the thing about it is walking the dog. Yeah, you know, like not when you're not. <laughs> I've never heard that oh yeah, when the bass part. <laughs> Yeah. Like he's just walking the dog, man. You're like, go Bob, go Bob, go Bob. Daisley is smoking Daisley on some that ass record. on that song. He man. just said, you know what? You guys can suck it. And he just well, he wrote the lyrics too, didn't he? Yeah. And the melodies, from what we understand. And then they write them out anyway. Yeah. yeah. And also the uh, another point against the album version of Crazy Train is there's a vibra slap on that song, which does not belong in any rock song the... ever. <laughs> yeah, that that little Billy. For me, I uh, they're they're really close because the riff, the opening riff of Crazy Train is unstoppable. But I'm gonna go flying high again uh, because of the attitude, uh, just all the sonic uh, things that go on in the song with Ozzy's voice, the guitars, everything, and and yeah, I'm I'm going flying high again, even though Crazy Train runs a close close second as it has great riffs and, and, and everything as well. How about the finger tapping in the solo? Oh, yeah. Middle finger to Eddie Van Halen. Yes, it yes. It was a shot yes. across the bow. Yes, it was. And, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, it got me. And it was very melodic, too, the way he did it. It's, it as he just, always does. It wasn't chaotic. It was very melodic. So I'm going flying high again. Uh, I'm, go I'm going in for a crazy train. I'm, I'm, I mean... I think yeah, for very good points. I do agree that the album version has definitely become inferior to all the live versions out there. Again, Tribute was my first time I heard it, so I'm always going to go back to that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think that changes what 
a, a fundamentally brilliant song it is. I think it's one of the greatest opening riffs ever written. It does go a bit status quo on the verse, but when that chorus comes in, like, and they're like, going off the road, like, that is one of the single greatest lines that's ever been put on. Screaming. Yeah, it's just so iconic. I think it's I so see big, a pattern so. emerging here. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's find out. But yeah, I, I'm crazy, Trent. I think you can't, you just can't. I, I got to join in that, Merlin, because it's, it's like you shook me all night long or pour some sugar on me or enter Sandman. You demean it because you've heard it so much that is it is the Aussie signature song that everybody knows from my wife to the postman to all of us here every sporting event, every sporting event play I think I think the solo in that song is just as good as the solo in flying high again uh, once again flying high again is a 9.9999999 and crazy train is a 10 and if I had a choice of listening to one or the other I'd put on flying high again but I have to go with Crazy Train. I, I have to go with Crazy Train. And we're Train. not saying that they're bad songs. Of course songs. not. No, no, yeah, this, of course not. We're never saying that. Which is better? And to me, it's a hair, but I got to go with Crazy Train. <laughs> like you said, Bill, you're not going to hear Flying High again at a Winnipeg Jets game. Or you might hear it at a Winnipeg Jets game, but you're not going to hear it at a Tampa Bay Lightning right. game. All right, then we get to the ballads of the record, so to speak, which would be Goodbye to Romance versus You Can't Kill Rock and Roll. Um, Merlin, start this one off. Uh, I think I'd probably give this, even though overall, um, as you'll probably find out, I'm probably leaning towards the other album overall, I'd probably give this to You Can't Kill Rock and Roll. Um, goodbye to Romance. It's I, I like the idea of it more than the song itself because it's very much his goodbye to Sabbath and him singing about uh, how he thought it was all going to go to shit after uh, what happened there. Um, so as a song, it's quite personal and I like what it's getting at, but it's just a little, probably one of the few weak points on Blizzard for me. It's a little bit wet. Feels a bit shoehorned in as like the tokenistic ballad that you have to have at that wet. point on the a little bit wet. Um, <laughs> it's like uh, walking whereas, the dog for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For us. Um, whereas you can't kill rock and roll. Um, it's just got a bit more to it. Like the midsection in it when Randy just goes off on one is unbelievable. Um, so I'd probably just edge towards you can't kill rock and roll personally. I'm going to continue that and go with you can't kill rock and roll, destroying Goodbye to Romance because that song I, it bothers me. I don't like it. Um, I, I think that, it, it, once again, I understand what Ozzy was trying to do, but the opening chords of that just bother me. It's a skipper for me every time. And I remember uh, I used to smoke old port cigars, and they're, they're uh, wine-tipped and rum-dipped is what they were called. They're little cigarillos with a, with a plastic end. And for, I remember being in grade 8, and that was my big thing, just smoking old ports. Never inhaling them, but just being cool and smoking old ports. In my friend's basement, all my friends had girlfriends, and I did not. And I remember they would write, you know... It's a theme going on. Yeah, yeah. It was Jim Parsons and, uh, what was her name, Christine Hendricks. So it was JP and CH, and so and so and so and so And I wrote uh, CI plus OP, Chris Irvin plus Old Ports. <laughs> and I remember listening to that song, just sitting in the back, like, leave me alone, don't need your promises no more. Rock and roll is my religion and my law. And my law. It's not my lord, it's my law. Won't ever change, won't rearrange, you can't kill rock and roll, you know. And just that hit me so hard of like, I don't need any chicks. I, all I need is this old port and this song, and I, I need this. <laughs> I don't need one more thing. I need this. But yeah, so you can't kill rock and roll. And just the ending solo in that song, yeah, it's about it's a minute and a half of a fade out. And it just smokes. It's like so crazy. Uh, it starts as a ballad, but it ends as a rocker, much like Fade to Black or something along those lines. So to me, it's, it's You Can't Kill Rock and Roll by a landslide. 
I'm going to go You Can't Kill Rock and Roll as well. Um, I do love the guitar solo, being a guitar player, in, um, in Goodbye to Romance. Mm. I think it's awesome. But the rest of the song didn't touch me. And they even played You Can't Kill Rock and Roll a couple of times on the radio in Charlotte. So I would always crank it up when I heard that, too. Oh, it's another great Ozzy song. And it was so dark and haunting. And the, or the uh, orchestration of the song and then the, uh, the, uh, the topping off of the guitar solo at the end, I'm going You Can't Kill Rock and Roll. Rich? You Can't Kill Rock and Roll by a Landslide. Uh, the intro with a classical guitar with layered with electric, layered with Don Aries keyboard parts. The playing as one, absolutely stunning. So much vibe, so it's so unique. Again, that's the thing I'll keep going back to on Dire of a Madman. Everything is so unique. You would never hear "You Can't Kill Rock and Roll" on anybody else's record. Such Great a unique, it's such a unique song. Great call. And as you said, uh, the chorus is the chorus lyrics are so good. Yeah. And, and closing it by "It's Here to Stay." Yeah. You know, it's his declaration of of um, I'm the uh, the new president of rock and roll, and I'm telling you, and the another great. Uh, thing about the outro solo is it started the trend with every young dude who loves guitar solos and that you crank the ending until you just can't yeah, hear yeah, any more yeah, yeah. of it. It's a really long fade. Yeah. And like pop songs today, the fades are pretty quick. This is a really long fade and it's really well done. It would catch you if you didn't turn it back down in time. The next song would blast <laughs> yeah. your ears off because yeah. yeah. you would turn up so loud to just hear the end of it. They'd be like, ba-boom. It's funny too because we're on tour with Hardcore Superstar and they actually have jackets with you can't kill my rock and roll and of course when i see them I'm like well that's just an aussie ripoff you know Frank? second verse hold on oh. second verse introducing the low octave vocal which then has been stolen by everybody on the wow. planet wow it's into the eyes and no looking at that, that little yeah, bit like, overdue that, wow yeah. and that's a super cool studio technique that that uh axel rose has ridden yeah written many matt, checks on and matt shadows too now a lots of guys yeah. okay and then let's just go why goodbye to romance should be never heard again Jazz chords, jazz chords. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime someone plays a major seven or a uh, jazz chord in a rock, I, I want him gone. Jazz chords, like, no jazz chord, no, not metal. Yeah, so I love the lyrics, as you said. The lyrics are amazing, and love to hear those lyrics reimagined on another piece of music. Well, it's one of those things too that Ozzy's actually played "Goodbye to Romance." There was that one live Zach album from the early '90s, "Live and Loud," I think, where he played. Yeah, Goodbye "Live and Loud." That was the first. Was that the first farewell tour he did? I yeah, think, yeah, maybe? that was his retirement. Oh, yeah, the no more, yeah, yeah. No more tours tour. Yeah, yeah, but I remember just hearing that on there. It's like, this is just... And that was on cassette, so I couldn't afford it. I used to listen to that piece of shit over and over. <laughs> <laughs> Frank? Uh, I'm going to, of course, give it to uh, You Can't Kill Rock and Roll. Although I'm a little bit more... I'm a little bit more neutral on both of these songs, well, I think, than everybody us. else. Goodbye to Romance needs some help here. Well, I, I was going to say, I I actually think that from a songwriting perspective, Goodbye to Romance has a, uh, a better chorus melody. I think um, the, the Beatlesque kind of melody that he wrote um is is catchy and it's it's a it's more of a chorus than you can't kill rock and roll 
Um, so I'll give it points for that. Okay. And point um, taken. Yeah. Point sponsor. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, for all the reasons everybody else was stating, I probably have to give it overall to you can't kill rock and roll. Although I have to say for me, it's not as much of a landslide as, as okay. it is for everybody else. Uh, I'm point a deducted. <laughs> uh, I'm a little, like I said, I'm a little bit more ambivalent about both these songs. I, I neither one of them really you like. Don't feel it like? Yeah, I, I mean, I like them both. You I, didn't I, smoke old ports listening to right? It in your no, this the song doesn't have. I mean, they're both good. The songs don't have as much meaning to me as everybody else does. One of them, you know, like uh, to me. You can't kill rock and roll doesn't bash the other one over the head and win. Okay. But I, if you asked me which one, like right now, if you could choose which one to listen to, I would okay. choose. Can't and kill like rock we said, D is uh, exempt. Uh, this should be a decent battle, though. It's Suicide Solution versus Believer, the uh, side one killer track ending it off. Gosh, I don't even know who wants to start with this one. Anybody have? I'll, I'll go straight in for Suicide Solution. Yeah, it's, it's not. Yeah. It's not that close for me. I think Believer is really good. Um, again, it's funny how. Once you got them all written down, you realize how similarly structured both albums are. It's, 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 sister it's back down to like that kind of and ride, yeah. more like stomping, ploddy kind of song. Yeah. Um, but Suicide Solution, it's just, funnily enough, for this album over the other, a bit unusually, it just feels a bit darker, a bit more sinister. I think the lyrics are amazing. I think they're probably the best lyrics on this album. Um, I know Ozzy said they were originally written about Bon Scott, but then Bob Daisley was like, no, nah, dude, they're about you. It's about that kind wow. of pushing the uh, you know, envelope. In. What's the word to, as you ask from your cask? Is their life after birth? Meaning, as you ask from your casket, yeah, like from the grave. It's, it's, it's awesome, and it's all about like, like you know, alcoholism and addiction, and um, the dangers of that and all that kind well, of stuff. And a Obviously, it got being like a like a like a drink, like yeah, a, exactly. A, a suicide, it's the suicide drink. Yeah, of course, and it famously got misinterpreted by right. idiots um, because of you know one unfortunate situation. But um, yeah, for me, it's like I mean, believe is a great song as well. It's a great song, but Suicide Solution is one of my, like I think one of the best songs across these two albums. All right. Rich is gonna fire on this one. What you got, Rich? You gonna check your notes first? No, go I, I'm I'm good. Mike, to... sorry, <laughs> I got. So, I'm like I start. You start to get casual. Like it's just yeah. like five good friends hanging out, which it is. Yeah, just speaking of the. Mike. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, okay, so it is. It, this is closer than I'd like. To, than I'd like to give it. I am going to go with Believer, and the reason I'm going to go with Believer is once again for the. Uh, producer of uh, songwriter in me that loves what is going on in believer uh suicide solutions a great riff down bow bow down bow bow down great great riff take nothing that's away that's a great riff man that's a good riff man <laughs> actually um, we, we played that in the early fozzy yes really we did early day. um and there's some cool things in there like they leave in ozzy's like bad vocals take me away <laughs> tomorrow like in emotional depth I agree, but I'm saying most they would most people would have redid it. I think it actually is better yeah. that it's like tortured and and. But here's the deal about Believer: that you listen to the guitar riff in the verse of Believer, and it is absolutely one of the most genius riffs in the history of metal. I mean, it is, and because not only is it technical and busy. But it also stays out of the way of Ozzy's vocals. It is a perfectly composed part. And as a, as a musician, you're always looking at ways to push yourself and create interesting things that give you a, a thumbprint. Like, a million artists could have written the riff for uh, Suicide Solution. It could have ended up on a Jackal record or... Uh, I'm not kidding you. It's a blues rock <laughs> Dude, riff. Come bow, on. Bow, bow, bow. Okay? I'm not saying. It, I love the riff. 
but it's not it's not super unique whereas the riff in believer Mm. says randy rhodes yeah and that's the one thing that i'm i again i keep going back to is that that there is something magical going on in Randy and how he's evolving as a player and how he's learning to do things that other guitar players don't even think like because they're thinking like Suicide Solution. It's a riff. It's a cool chord progression and stuff. Whereas Eddie Van Halen and Randy Rhodes were doing things light years ahead of other people. They had moved on from... Even now. Yes. They moved on from what Iommi had had laid the groundwork for, and now we're pushing this through a crazy wormhole. And I think... uh, I did write some some stuff around Believer, which I I have to say, one of my favorite parts about it is, is that not only is it unique but daisley is a star yeah. in this song like his bass playing is so cool because remember he's still playing boom bow boo do do dow bum ba do da da do do dow bum so it is like a well put together it's not just guys playing a riff together and that's what uh, again like you start to see the evolution of these guys they're writing and how they are really becoming something special as a band the guitar solo believer crazy out of this world uh, amazing but it really does come down to the complexity and the masterful songwriting for me that because when I'm li- listening to things, I- I'm not just listening to it as, of course, Crazy Train, I would always say is, a, is, a, is one of the best rock songs ever written. I'm looking at this through the prism of how Die Ever Madman started to change the way guitar players started to look at things because there was something magical that was influencing legions of new young guitar players. And I'm going to go with Believer as well. On adding to what you say, that is the perfect example of me of, of the uh, uh, maturity and the kind of the prog influence of the band um, going from like the rock element, which I agree with, but especially Bob Daisy because I'm a bass player by heart. And that riff is so great and it comes out of nowhere. And then that opening is, I don't know if it's harmonics on the guitar or whoever Randy's playing around that. And uh, actually, Rob Trujillo told me just two days ago or three days ago when I saw him, we were talking about his time in Ozzy. He said he was the guy that, that for that Budokan show, got Ozzy to play it again. And I asked him, what was the hardest Ozzy song to play? And he said, Believer was the hardest one to play as a bass player. And Rob ain't no joke, as we all know. And going back to, yeah, that's why the songs aren't in the set. People yeah. are always like, oh, those, these are the classic songs. It's like, just because they don't want to go into the rehearsal space for five months to yeah. tighten up the, and play this material, it gets left off because when bands get older, they have lives, they have kids and grandkids, and they have side businesses, and they do things. It's like, whereas a young band like Avenged Sevenfold is willing to spend the time to go in and rehearse and play the difficult material older guys are and and i'm i am an older guy you know by industry standards and and as we get older we don't think in terms it's not as competitive we don't look at it as a prize fight like younger kids do and i think that's why a lot of these songs get left off because it requires more time to pull them into the set i also like the old i know frank uh, yeah, I got to give it to Believer as well, uh, although it, it's, this is another close one for me. I, I'm conflicted because there, there's a part of me that wants to say Suicide Solution because I think it's a great song. And I just wonder if it's I'm being influenced by the fact that it's been in the set. 
you know, that it's considered a classic. Is that is that like kind of hypnotizing me to think it's a better song than it is? First of all, let me say that I'm probably inclined to pick almost everything on Diary because I just like the production of the album so much better. I like the sound. There's a there's a there's a crispness and a separation to the instrumentation that that appeals to me much more than Blizzard just as a as a sonic experience Blizzard falls a bit flat for me you know right um can i and i'm going to jump in real quick just give me two seconds and sure a perfect example is at the end of suicide solution they're trying to milk a fade but lee Kerslake stops and it just kind of <laughs> it just kind of falls apart <laughs> like Great it's call. literally at the end that's it's a good like, point yeah, yeah i didn't think of like, that um <laughs> like because you could tell they're milking the fade it's going and then all of a sudden Kerslake stops and it's kicker girl and it uh, <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. yeah so those are the things that like you said um, you would have recut, but maybe Kerslake had a great performance. They wanted to keep that bit. Yeah. But it's something that if you had more time and you had a little bit more of a taskmaster as a producer, you may have tried to cut it a couple more times. So to your point. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you know, I know we're going song by song, so not to get ahead of myself, but I think, you know, there might be stronger melodies on Blizzard that like that appeal to a mass audience more, you know. And I think I think uh, I think Blizzard is more of an audience record, and Diary is more of a musician's record. Um, I think that's quite clear from yeah, a lot of the and stuff. That's why he still so plays all those songs. Live yeah, still. that's why many more of the songs from Blizzard tend to be more in the set because they just have that kind of, you know, the average person who doesn't play anything. And that's not to sound like, you know, elitist or anything, but you know, when it comes to music and people who don't really have any kind of a musical background, it's like. Things either Deckard appeal to journalists. them, yeah. Well, people, <laughs> things either appeal to them or they don't. You play something for somebody, they they either like it or they don't. They don't necessarily yeah. can't say why. It's just like, oh, I like that. And I think the songs on Blizzard, if you played them for somebody who's never heard either album and just an average person who doesn't have any, you know, musical background or whatever, they would probably choose the songs on Blizzard just because melodically there's something about yeah. them that and that is once, a little bit more once, mainstream maybe. once again uh suicide is way better live than on the record because it's got yeah, that breakdown with the solo and i'll never forget ozzy grabbing jake's hair as he's doing it billy what's yours mine i'm gonna go with believer from the uh intro into the verse riff is just freaking brutal uh, along with the beat that's laid down behind that riff and uh, the melodies that Ozzy is singing, and then if you get once you get into the uh, bridge set, uh, bridge section, and you start getting into the guitar work that's going on, there's lots of uh, acoustic layering. You know, you got a, a layer of steel string acoustic, a layer of nylon string acoustic, and it's so orchestral. And then it it has a great solo, and yeah, I'm going believer. So uh, this this to me is where it starts. Uh, distancing itself between the two records, um, the second side. It starts off with Mr. Crowley versus Little Dolls, and I'm going to start. Mr. Crowley shits all over it. It's, it's Mr. Crowley, dude. It's, it's one of the most classic Aussie. It's proggy. It's dark. It's weird. I still don't know where it's polemically said. Polemically. What the hell does that mean? I still don't know. I think it's all of us know who Mr. Crowley is specifically because of Ozzy. Yep. I think anybody on this bus would agree with that. And I'm going to leave, leave you with this. Zach told me when they were recording No More Tears, he had a poster of Jimi Hendrix on, on his wall in the studio and a poster of Mr. Crowley. And Ozzy came in and said, Hey, Zach, I see a picture of Hendrix on the wall. Who's the other guy, man? 
That's amazing. He goes, oh, is this yes. Mr. Crowley? You've been singing about fishes. I've never seen him before, man. So, uh, yeah, I'm going with Crowley with the uh, keyboard intro, which is amazing. The end solo, everything, Crowley wins, Billy. Hands down, Mr. Crowley. Um, just everything about that one is uh, quintessential Aussie to me. Like you said, he... Uh, introduced the world to to who Alistair Crowley was didn't even know it actually yeah. but uh and the guitar work on it me being a guitarist I absolutely love it great great solo like uh, you know the breakdown after the first bridge and everything just I'm yeah. I'm I'm going Mr. Crowley on that one no bone movies was always a skipper for me on uh, the diary little dolls. oh little dolls sorry I, I didn't mean to yeah. get mixed up there little dolls I didn't really get into that was one of the skippers on diary for me I, I like the music but um uh, you know I didn't connect with it well so Mr. Crowley and little dolls is a great riff it's really cool but the, to me I think besides the I I I think Mr. Crowley is everybody knows that part of the song Merlin what do you think it's just no competition one of the, one of the greatest songs ever written uh, shout out for the uh, the um, live and loud version as well with the let me see your f cigarette lighters <laughs> one of my favorite Aussie moments ever yeah yeah no contest nothing to add really it's just and seeing it's funny I saw Don Airy the other day once again at Metallica and uh, I was like, yeah, this is Don Airy from Deep Purple. And, Lar and I was like, screw that. It's and Lars like, no, it's the keyboard player from Rainbow. I'm like, no, it's the keyboard player from Ozzy, yes, man. That's well, my generation of Don Airy. And I don't know who wrote that part. I would assume Don Airy did. And that's, hopefully he got songwriting credit on that. And it's put. I think, I think he, uh, he might not have, you know, but I think he did. I think he did write it. I think Randy wrote that part. And you, Rich, do you know anything about that? Or? Yes, he wrote it. I've seen him in interviews talk Randy about it. Or no, Don? no, Don, Don, Don wrote, wrote it. it. Did he yeah. get credited? Uh, I don't know. No. I mean, it, it's an intro. So it, the thing is, is that that is the most famous keyboard piece in all of heavy metal. What, 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 what about Jump? No, I won't call it Jump Heavy Metal. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. But, but other than yeah, that, yeah, I got yeah. to go yeah. with you on that one. Yeah. Uh, I played it on Marcy Wood's fingers. <laughs> Rich, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's definitely Mr. Crowley, and here and here's my. I'm glad you say that because I thought you might get pretentious on me here. No, 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 no. Okay. But here's why: Mr. Crowley is the breadcrumbs for Diary of a Madman. Oh, it is the yes. gateway. Nice. In, it's the gateway into that. That's where I think um, when they wrote Mr. Crowley, I think that was all of these guys playing that song live and recognizing that this was such a unique song and that it then became kind of the blueprint moving forward of that kind of dark uh and randy's move from quiet riot rock guitar player oh, into yeah. classical guitar hero yeah and that was the, really the gateway because the solo of mr crowley obviously is one of the greatest in history um and again it was Ozzy entering evil meatloaf territory. You could actually see him on stage. The performance, yeah. it's so animated in the way he's telling the story that, you know, especially in the in the bridge vocal, it's like you could just see him acting it out. I mean, you really feel like you're watching I always it. felt like Ozzy, like his singing in Sabbath and, and, and on this song and some other Ozzy songs, he sounded like, like the most lonely person on earth and Satan is standing beside him waiting to take him to hell as soon as he's done the track mm -hmm. you know it's just so like wailing and the gnashing of teeth and all those biblical terms one of those little things about Ozzy that people don't really still remember just how kind of sinister and like how much he off plays he was part. yeah another great production thing the two click sticks left in i love that oh yeah yeah when for uh, after the oh, bam. Yeah. like yeah. you actually hear the click 
Yeah. Click. You actually hear the, you know, Lee, and I love that stuff. It makes you feel like it's not it's, just a studio yeah, record. Yeah. You're, the drummer is in, yeah, he's you know. in on it. We're just talking about, you're talking about Randy's solo and that, and Don Airy. I still remember Us Festival 83, and it's Don Airy and Jakey e. Lee at the time. They doubled the solo together, and I don't think they did that any other time. Ozzy wow. must not have liked it, but it's almost like a Deep Purple or a Dream Theater where they're doubling each other. It's really cool because you can really hear the keyboard in the mix, too. And to match Randy doubling and tripling yeah. all his solos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little Dolls, I love it i actually really like the uh uh you know i love the the double drums in the intro yeah i think it's really cool oh, yeah, uh, double snare yeah and i love the bass lick you know in the pre-chorus i think little doll is a great song but it's the actually only song that i would give a b to oh like, so it's not the perfect album yeah, it's a b plus it's the <laughs> only thing that keeps diary for me from being a perfect wow. album now frank you've been a really goofy look on your face the whole time what's going on <laughs> um <laughs> uh, yeah i um i have to say that uh mr crowley's always been one of my least favorite Aussie oh songs. nice yeah. always one. i like the uh yeah. con contrary yeah. opinion here um, that's what we need i think everything that every asshole on the panel <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, i'm not going to try to invalidate anything that anybody said about it it just doesn't do anything for me okay. I, and, and like i said i'm not going to sit here and say it's a bad song or anything like that but it's one of those things if i'm ever watching an ozzy set or if i'm watching like a live video or something like that as soon as i hear that first keyboard note my eyes kind of just roll back in my head and i go oh boy fast forward i mean <laughs> savage yeah I mean, savage <laughs> yeah it just it just i find it I, i'm not you know but first of all i'm not a guitar player wow yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not a guitar player and you know I'm not a producer I'm not you know I so there I can understand that there's probably you know stuff about this song that would appeal to some you know that has appealed to you know somebody who is more versed in maybe the classical elements of music and I, so I get it I understand but it just for me it just feels kind of meandering and boring and uninteresting uh, it, it's not like I'm not so talk about little dolls what, what, and it's little dolls I agree with Rich I think it's the, the 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 kind of the song on the album that gets a B I mean let me let me let me be clear I mean all this stuff is great of course we're, we're, I'm just comparing yeah we're having a conversation here okay sorry I didn't mean to offend you <laughs> um <laughs> But I, I do love that double that uh, doubled drum stroke that opens that song. I so think cool! Yeah, it's just such a great way to open a song. It's so signature. I mean, there's nothing like it anywhere else. There's nothing like it. Um, and uh, I, I, the 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 lyrics and his vocal on Little Dolls um, are just so. Yeah. Writhing and writhing and screaming, the pain just won't go. It's like, oh my god, that's creepy, you know? Ozzy. Yeah, that's creepy yeah, that's as hell. Creepy, Ozzy. Um, Very high. Volume. Yeah. So, again, I, I'd have to go with Little Dolls just because okay. I've I've, I've never really, I've never been a big. All Mr. right. Crowley so now fan. we get to uh, this is an interesting one um, because to me, no bone movies might be the one that keeps this from being a perfect album. I, I would say no bone movies might be a a plus, a B plus. So it's no bone movies versus tonight. Now I'll start this one. I did not like tonight when I was a kid um, because it was a ballad and you know, you, you just got to rock, man. You got to rock as an adult listening to tonight. I think it's a genius song with another amazing fade out on guitar, which that was actually brought to my attention. When you see the, uh, the 30th anniversary of those albums, they did the box set. And I think it was Churko 
sitting with Ozzy going over it and he said, I always love the fader at the end and Ozzy hadn't heard it since then and turning up the fader to hear Randy's solo as it goes out. It's one of the best parts of, of the record. So tonight is great uh, to the point where I even insisted that our song tonight was spelt differently because I did not want to have a song called tonight uh, competing with Ozzy and Randy's tonight. So that's why if anybody noticed it was T O N I T E uh, no bone movies. I think it's a great party rock song. I can almost like it's almost like a Van Halen vibe where you can hear guys in the background hanging out like drinking like like it's like there's people in the studio and they didn't clear them out and I never knew what a bone movie was until maybe 10 15 years ago it's a porno so no pornos. You never knew that, Frank? Yeah. I did not know that. I suspected as much, but now I think about it, I never looked into it. A bone movie would be bone. You're boning yeah. the chick, a bone movie. What's a porno? Yeah, <laughs> I've heard about them. Some, yeah, somebody told me about them one time. You can find them online or something. Yeah. So um, I'm going with tonight, uh, in, uh, not a landslide because I like no bone movies, but I just don't think it's a perfect song like the like the rest of the songs. Um, well, actually, there's a couple in there. But anyway, so I'm going with, uh, with uh, tonight. Billy? Uh, I'm going with uh, Tonight by a Landslide. Uh, no Bone Movies was one of my least favorites by Ozzy, but that's just opinion. Tonight got me uh, from the get-go with the uh, with the orchestration, the guitars, and the melody of the chorus. It got me as a kid. It still gets me now, and there's, you know, it's one of the best songs on that record to me. And they used to, that's, once again, that's a song I heard on the radio as a kid. They used to play that. Wow. And I would have to sit there and listen for hours to hear these songs. But, you know, I would hear that song and it would always stay stuck in my head. And then, once again, at the end, you, you had Randy Rhodes ripping it up. And, and that just put the icing on the cake. So, for me, I, I'm, a, I'm going tonight. Frank? Yeah, I'm definitely going with tonight as well. Um no bone movies is it it just seems like a a a track that it was like well what else have we got you know like we need more songs on this record what else have we got well we got this one i'll you know put it on there you know so it's okay but not you know it's doesn't really do much for me i think tonight is a much better song obviously i think it's a it's a really underrated ozzy song i think it's one of his better vocal performances you know I think I, it was underrated because, like I said, like for me, and I'm sure there was lots like me when I was a kid, it starts slow, and that always just turned me off right away. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I it's love the, song. the key change that go, uh, the, the key change where they go into the guitar solo is just oh, is yeah. genius, man. Great I mean, playing on it. Oh, it's just amazing. That's such a great change. And, um, yeah, just, uh, just, wet, just in terms of uh, crafting and structure, just so much better song um it's kind of like the rolling stones always had songs that they really worked on and songs that they just kind of jammed out yeah and no bone movies to me sounds like one that they just kind of jammed on and was like that's that's fun let's put it on the record whereas tonight is there's a much more thoughtful song and um just you can tell they really they took their time to get this one really right and i'm surprised it's not more of a classic ozzy song oz uh, uh, you know really um, I'd probably go with um, tonight. Just um, I do really like Bo- No Bone movies. I agree. It's kind of a bit more. It's kind of like just basic. Um, like you said, kind of you could see it almost just being a song that just gets played in the background of like a high school scene in a film or something. Yeah, yeah, people yeah. Are just drinking party song. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, but I do still really like it as well. Um, what did but, you think a Bone movie was? Uh, I well, I don't think I never really thought about it. And then when you kind of <laughs> I, when you just said you know what it stands for, I kind of thought. Is it a porn thing? Or like, is it <laughs> maybe like, did Sharon ban Ozzy from watching 
porno movies or something? <laughs> yeah, like, just this bit. Yeah, yeah, but um, uh, and yeah, funny, kind of like you said, Chris. When I first heard tonight, um, coming off having got into tribute and all the kind of faster, like bigger songs on that, <laughs> I thought tonight was like, um, I found it a little bit boring. It's very, it's quite a long song. It's like six minutes. Yeah, good call. Um, so it's 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 something that I took a while to get into, but now you know, having come back to it over and over again over the years, I think it's definitely more of a an accomplished yeah. work. It's five minutes and 50 seconds. Right, exactly. So, Rich, bring up Tonight by Landslide. It's one of my favorite Aussie songs. Tonight? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, I, I really think that w a great sign of an amazing ballad or made, I think this is a song that could be re-recorded by Beyonce and it would be a hit. Uh, it's got such a great melody. I'd love to hear that. It would be amazing, right? <laughs> I mean, it would, yeah. it just, it's, it's a perfect song. It has a perfect lyric. Uh, Daisley, again, walking the dog like the madman <laughs> he is. Don Aries, total star. And Randy Rhodes playing some octaves, very Brian May. You can see that this song's kind of oh. Different from yeah, his yeah. wheelhouse, so you can see him finding where his role is in this stuff, and he's doing some unique stuff in there that I think is really cool. Uh, no bone movies. I, I had to write a, a, a long soliloquy I can about see your notes, man. This <laughs> freaking. Uh, I've always hated this song. It's a dumb blues jam. Uh, it's dumb lyrics. A pulsating gland is in is a lyric in the song. <laughs> Yeah, it's an, like the ultimate eye roller of all lyrics. A pulsating gland would never make the Rich Ward uh, gatekeeper <laughs> yeah. of lyrics. Or don't worry, it's not coming out of the Chris Jericho camp uh, either, I'll tell you that yeah. much. Well, there goes the song Pulsing Gland that I yeah. was going to suggest for the next record. Yeah, and this one just happens to come <laughs> it happens to come after Mr. Crowley. Yeah. So just by default, it's the ugly chick in the room standing next to Cindy Crawford <laughs> in 86. And, and Randy Rhodes plays a slide. Solo, come oh. on! I mean, like it's straight. It's like you, he can't be Randy. He has to be in, from Leonard Skinner because it wouldn't right. work. Yeah. So he's playing out of position. It's a shitty solo. Even I mean, by by my Even, yeah yeah. If I played Slide, I'd still say ah, I got you on this one, <laughs> and I suck at Slide too. Hey, sorry, Randy, you're still the greatest. <laughs> well, there you go, man. So, so I'm gonna do a little cheating here too. I'm gonna do a flip flop um, because technically it's Revelation, Mother Earth versus Sato, but I think it's more apt to have Revelation, Mother Earth versus Diary because they're both very epic songs. So let's go steal away the night against Sato, and I'm gonna tell a quick story about Ozzy. Um, when I met Ozzy. I asked him, uh, I, I, was, I had a, like my fanboy question, what does NIB mean? And he told me, it doesn't stand for not in body, it stands for nib, because his drummer at the time had a beard like the nib of a pencil, and it was called nib. So then I was like, oh, wow, so what does SATO stand for? Does it stand for sail across the ocean? Like we had always said, he goes, no. I was having lunch with me and my ex-wife and Sharon and her ex-husband. Said I didn't have a title, so I called it Sharon Allen Thelma and Ozzy. <laughs> he sat there literally for 10 seconds trying to remember the name of his fucking ex-wife. Sharon Allen, Thelma and Ozzy. So from Ozzy in 2009, that's what this song stands for. Uh, Frank? Uh, definitely SATO for me. Um, just uh, that, that opening uh, kind of slow pounding you know rhythm you know and yeah. it, then it just charges up into Great that riff. that kind of triplet feel i mean i can actually like it actually uh visually for me invoked like imagery you know yeah um of like you know 
sailing across the ocean. <laughs> of Sharon and Alan, well, not, of, not of them having crumpets. lunch, but um, yeah, just that. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's a metal song. Um, I, Steal away the night is okay. It's a metal song too, but yeah, I, I just S A T O for me for sure. Okay. Rich. S-A-T-O, without a doubt. It's one of Ozzy's best B-sides for sure. Has great pre-chorus. And here's the thing is, that song has tons of energy. Yeah. And yeah, that's yeah. the one thing about it is is that, and if you listen to the guitar solo in that song, what, what Bob Daisley's playing under the solo is so crucial. He's driving so much energy into that. Again, it's 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 at a band in peak form, it, like an athlete that wins every gold medal at the Olympics. Yeah. It's like, this is a band who is fully realized and is playing at the peak of their performance and again i'm listening to it through that prism because steal away the night is a it's a great song yes it's like i give them both they're both great songs i'm only giving sato an advantage based on performance and the band just it's just driving and, and like frank said i believe every word that ozzy's yes. got that like he has that thing <laughs> where he's just like in full ozzy yeah, mode yeah, yeah. it's that strained panic you know, connecting with every word, so I'm giving it by a, a hair. I um love SATO. I think it's one of my favorite Aussie songs, but I'm gonna go with Steal Away the Night because uh, it's also one of my favorite Aussie songs. I know we're not using it as the closer here because we're doing the, the the epic, but it was a great way to close off that record. And it's it's what Rich was saying before used used to his advantage. It's a rock and roll song. It's a great rock and roll song. It's got a great riff. And the chorus is huge to me. I can't believe that song isn't played uh, as, as it, it had potential to be a classic Aussie song. And I always love that it was "Steal Away the Night" in brackets. And I just love that title. Uh, to me, once again, it's nine point nine 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 and and a ten. And I'll go with "Steal Away the Night," which I could just as easily win Sato, but I think everyone else is probably going to go with Sato. So I'll be "Steal Away the Night." I just think it makes for a better conversation. That's kind of like King of the Night. Time, time world, world. <laughs> okay so for all production nerds out there who are who, i'm not going to let this go the harmony in the chorus of steal away the night is louder than the lead line yeah, yeah. steal away yeah, yeah, yeah. and every time i hear it it's like somebody grab the fader pull it <laughs> because back then mixing was an art it wasn't done in a computer where you could like it was four or five people with hands on the mixing console and fingers on buttons on the rack so yeah. it, a mix was a performance back then every Everybody was like doing their little motions and you'd have pieces of tape on the mixing console to know, push the guitar up at this moment, but don't push it past this line, then pull it back to this point. And you can tell that on on a lot of songs, they would have had maybe 10 or 12 passes of every mix and they would choose yeah, which, which performance of the mix. And I always hear that part. Turn, turn the fader down on the backing vocal. I also love the bass on that part on that that song. It's Bob Daisley, man, what a what a rocker! Uh, can I just say, like, I think the ending of Sato is one of my favorite endings. How it builds up to that that crescendo, and then to just and then they fade on that. They fade, fade on that. straight. Did Van, they Halen fade. Did Van Halen copy them or did or did vice versa? On which song? Because Van Halen has a da da. Was that the end of DOA? Da, is it? Da, yes. In the DOA. Oh yeah. Well, then they probably that came that out before first. DOA came but out. Also, before. it's it's so but, effective. But also the fade straight into the acoustic part of Diver. But yeah, brilliant. But yeah, but on on uh, on DOA. They're doing those hits, but he's doing the 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 scratch in between it. 
You know, it's, it's, it's funny because in Canada you had to be is it DOA by Van Halen or are you talking about Ronnie James Dio? Oh. I mean a DOA. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go with um a little Canadian I'm go humor. S A T O. Um Way to go, Bill. I gotta go with that one. But I do have to say the uh the opening riff of Steal Away the Night. It's pretty, pretty freaking badass. It's badass. Yeah, it really is badass. Yeah. I mean, I got to give him credit. And the flanger tones. Yes, yes. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a great song too. But for me, Sato once again has that energy. Um, Ozzy, they they capture his attitude and it just it, like like uh, Frank says, it, it it gives you some some imagery, you know. So uh, when he S-A-T-O, when he says, it, is this voyage coming to an end? And it's just like he. That tone of voice that he does, it sounds like his life is ending Once again, in front of the microphone. Satan is waiting for him to take him to hell. Yeah, yeah exactly. It thoughts. sounds, his vo- that inflection that he uses yeah. at times is just so, like, you it know, gives, it's bone chilling. It sounds like somebody's soul is being it's taken It's no away bone chilling. Um, <laughs> and I'll say this, too. That we, we, you know, we, we went and saw Ozzy last weekend. He had a couple rough moments vocally. But, dude, that guy is such a great singer. I mean, one of the best rock singers. One of the most underrated fundamental Absolutely. singers ever. And the reason why people slag him off is because his melody lines are so high. That's why. It's like Paul Stanley trying to sing 80s Kiss. You can't do it when you get into your late 60s and 70s. Merlin. Totally agree. Um, Yeah, this is one of the closer ones for me, uh, especially since we switched them up. Um, I really like SATO. Um, They're both quite fast songs. I like the fact that SATO's got Maiden fanboy. It's got a tiny little bit more gallop in it, which I'm always like very much into. Um, But I would probably go for Steal Away the Night just because for me it's a bit more urgent. It's a bit more like it's a song that's so on the edge it's almost running away with itself. He's stealing away the night. I don't know what that means but he's he's running through the night escaping whatever he needs to see. And I love that. Um, yeah, <laughs> the night, the night. Um, uh, and but I will admit that I'm a little bit biased because again, tribute was the first thing of Randy I heard, and he that's one of the better that songs. Played that on that album, didn't crushes he? it. Yeah, wow, it sounds so he, amazing. He as used well. to play it live. Yeah. Gosh, that'd be great if he busted that out. You know, yeah, forget absolutely. about like you know, Fire in the Sky or Killer of Giants. Yeah. Like play freaking Steal Away the Night. No, he needs to bust that. out Sato. That's yeah, what he yeah, needs yeah. to bust out. But once again, way, too, way too high. Yeah. Super high. But let's go to the to the ultimate showdown now. This this is not easy. It's Revelation, Mother Earth, versus Dire of a Madman, which is the two epic songs on the record. Uh, Revelation does not close the album like Diary does. Um, Billy, once you start this one off. I love both of the songs, and I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna say that I think Revolution, uh, Revelation, Mother Earth was kind of like a prelude. Did I say Revelation, Life or Death. I meant Revelation, Mother Earth. Yeah, I you yeah. said it. Yeah, Did you, you said it? Yeah, he's good. So Revelation, Mother Earth was kind of like a prelude to the Diary of a Madman album, where he was introducing that classical influence into the songs, and uh, and and just such a great solo along with it, but. Uh, and in the end, I'm going to go with Diary of a Madman because he he had all those elements, but everything from the intro guitar part to just to the chorus and uh, and uh, the intro going into the heavy part and then to the solo was an absolute hook for me. It really just hooked me, like got me from the get go, and and made me want to pick up the classical guitar. That's what made me want to get into that and and like i said revelation mother earth was brilliant too um but i think it it paved the way for diary of a madman oh man i was definitely more um 
more biased towards Revelation Mother Earth for years um, because I like the lyrics. I like the fact that he's taking this big world view. It was quite an, an, an unusual. Very political for us. Yeah, quite, yeah, quite unusual for him. Quite unusual for what was going on in a lot of metal at the time as well, I think. Good call. But um, I do, I think, uh, on balance, I think Diary is the better song. It's just, it's such a spectacular finish. Um, from a kind of semi-emotional standpoint as well, like Randy's last kind of like right. you know salute song almost, in a way yeah. um which of course it wasn't intended to be but the, yeah. it, it, like you said it I get that feeling. talking about a lot of the stuff we were doing like well, earlier on rich when you talked about him uh hinting towards brian may stuff and like all that kind of stuff the, the stuff he was doing on on that song in particular just makes you think what could have been and it's yeah. just it was such an epic way to kind of round off those two albums so for years i would have definitely said revelation but i think i think realistically you have to say um um diary is the better song I think Revelation is is one of his most underrated. I think people forget about it. That guitar solo in the middle is is genius. Uh, the vocal is great. Um, but to me, Dire of a Madman could be my favorite Ozzy Osbourne song out of wow. all of them. Out of all of them, it is the epitome of who Ozzy is as a vocalist. Uh, as a, uh, I know he didn't write the lyrics, but the dark lyrics, the diary of a madman. I mean, we hear that so much. What a great f***ing song title. Things with Ozzy was like, of a madman. he didn't write a lot of the lyrics, but the way he delivered well, he them, sings them was you know, so... I, I didn't so, write the lyrics for Judas. No, but that's what I mean. Like, yes. he delivers them he so well. He is a madman. The diary of a madman, solo, and the, the, the like you said, Frank, the, the, the fade out of SATO into the, or Sato, as I thought it was called when I was a kid. Uh, as a Japanese thing or something. I thought it was Sato. <laughs> Going, <laughs> Sato. It's a nickname for Satan. Hey, Sato, what's up, man? <laughs> Sato, um, what's happening, man? Bleeding into that acoustic part. And it's also, is it a 6-8? What's the tempo on that? It's the... It's uh, it's a bar of nine. It's it's one bar of nine and a bar of eight. There you so go. So it's a bar of nine. It's out of time. Right. It's, it's a bar of nine time. eight and a bar of four four. But then the end part of that like gives me. I got chills. Yeah. Probably because it's freaking cold in here. But also, <laughs> we are in Newcastle. It's, it's from that. And so, uh, Die of a Madman. Oh, what a song. And like you said, Maroon, the, the, the final performance from Randy Rose, he might have played that first in the recording session, yeah, yeah. but it's the last song we heard, and it is the uh, the perfect Requiem, swan song, uh, what could have been, but look what we have, Die of a Madman to me. I don't want them to play it live, because I don't want to hear any other version other than the one that I have in my head right now. Yep. Frank. Um, I'm glad you came to me next, because that's I think that's a perfect point. Um you can't top that recording of that right. song, so don't even try to, to don't don't try to play it live because you got it. Um, yeah, to me, I mean this this one this one is like the 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 biggest knock out of the park really? as far as I'm absolutely to me as a work of art. Diary of a Madman is Ozzy's greatest achievement. You know, um, it's it's probably my favorite Ozzy song just because it is it is just such a work of art from the from the acoustic intro you i mean billy you talk about haunting that acoustic intro um into those into those chords um the odd time down into where it goes from there into the verses it it is you know again visually so evocative and so 
you know, it, it's just like it's a work of art, man. And when, when you he, hear the song, you can see it in your head. Yeah, it's like, exactly. It's like Hotel California. Like I can see. Yes, yeah. that, I can see you see. That song. There's a film. That, a film yeah. runs through your mind as you're listening yeah, to that his, song. Yeah, his, his his costume on the cover is the diary with the blood streaked and yeah. the creepy little kid, and like I see that in this song. When you know the way we are used to experiencing music from you know when we were younger, you know, laying on your bed in your bedroom in the dark with those big with the big headphones on the big cans listening to that on vinyl and it transports you you know you're no longer in your bedroom listening you you are transported and the ending you know that he used to use to open the show which he should still he should never have gone away from that that should be the way he opens the show too right yeah that melody Uh, 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 i mean that's just like it's it's his greatest. It's his greatest achievement as far as all right, Rich. So. I left you last. Not Very interested to hear reason. your uh, your, to hear your assessment of this. I'm not even going to even discuss Revelation Mother Earth because it's a perfect song. It's just mm-hmm. up I against agree. I agree. the greatest album closer of all time. Wow! Wow! It, yeah, and, and I, 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 there's to me there's no song that closes an album more powerfully than Diary mm. of a Madman. Interesting. And I think it is the prototype. If if it wasn't for songs like Diary of a Madman, there would be no songs like One by Metallica. It really is that. It is the telling the story the slow build into the the heaviness and it it has such a dynamic epic kind of prog quality to it um and the other thing about it is it has a couple of different interesting time signatures the verses one two three four five six seven eight one two three four five six one two three four i mean it is those are things that rock bands don't do and i really think that it really opened the door to bands like Dream Theater. It really, I think, absolutely, I think without it, a doubt, and it really helps to push bands like Maiden feel it's more. Maiden free. absolutely it helps because Maiden, Maiden listen you know, to those songs nineteen eighty one. What was Maiden doing in eighty one? They had elements of that. They're that a rock made band it, that made yeah. it yeah. accessible. Yeah, and you know, I, I think also in that bridge section, it 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 took elements of the moody blues and elements of zeppelin and, great riff and, in it too yeah and it comes purple and does it better than those bands i mean this is like a a, a band in complete top form and i would i would love to talk to the producer and find out who was who was scoring the strings who produced and, those that, records the, just unbelievable uh, now, Norman did yeah he did yeah yeah I mean, Revelation Mother Earth, that piano solo in the middle of it is beautiful. And I I love the fact the lyrics, like you said, you don't hear that kind of stuff. It was, you know, it was thoughtful, but just that. Let me give you one, too. The solo in that, when it comes out, it's like, well, a squeal. It's only about a two or three bar solo. It's not long, maybe four bars, but it's just so heavy and great. And it's just, it's almost like an outro to the middle section. You know, they didn't stuff. It's something that we've done on this record with Judas. We didn't stuff a solo in it just to put a solo in it. It's the perfect solo. Didn't need to be eight bars. And just for 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 uh, Max Norman did Diary, and Ozzy and the band did Blizzard. And there, and there, is. there she is. <laughs> and it is revealed. So we um, go. I, I think it's pretty obvious. But uh, final assessment. Uh, Blizzard or Diary, um, once again, both great records, but I'm going Diary. Billy? I'm going Diary. Frankie? By a, by a large margin, Diary. By a large marge? Large marge. What does she have to do with in. this? <laughs> leave, leave, your fan, leave your fans out of this. <laughs> 
Merlin? Besides a whole lot of Rosie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Merlin? Uh, I'm just trying to think what, what I did track for track. I think they're just about equal, but for me, it's probably going to be Blizzard. Cause oh, you wanted to count? Oh, Blizzard. Okay, because what now? Uh, well, just because I think overall, it's just got the bigger songs are bigger. Like for me, um, when you're looking purely song for song, I don't know, Crazy Train, Mr. Crowley, um, Suicide, Suicide Solution. Yeah, though, the, the, set the skeleton of, the, of that album is yeah. as good as anything that's ever been done, I think. So it's just, just Blizzard for me. Gotcha. Rich? Yeah, and, and I agree with what Merlin's saying. Like, I could actually make an argument against myself. Yeah. You know, because what you said is a great closing argument. It is valid, yeah. It is. It is. Uh, any attorney could make that argument and win the case. <laughs> The my preference is Diary for all the reasons that I've stated. It is a band in top form, fully realized. The, the evolution had had landed. They they were something unique and special unto themselves. Nobody could make a record that sounded like Diary of a Madman. Some bands could have made uh, Blizzard of Oz. I think Max Norman coming in as a taskmaster and doing what a proper producer is supposed to do, which is to take four amazing musicians and a great keyboard instrumentalist and say, you guys are great. Now let's just not settle. Let's do it better. And let's, let's work on it and refine it. And for me, that's what makes Back in Black the greatest yeah. ACDC record. That's what makes my favorite... Uh, God, you're going to kill me. It makes my favorite Metallica album, the Black album, because I love... That's not killing, though. I can see that. Yeah, I love... I power and power comes from perfection that's where lars learned how to play drums was on that yeah. record to this day he plays like black album yeah. you know? i just i love i love uh lee hearing how lee kerslake and bob daisley are playing as a as an amazing rhythm section and randy had found his voice right and it's so funny too because if you look at the at the album cover of diary it's got rudy sarzo and tommy aldridge on it they did not play in the record it was the same yeah. lineup uh a couple last things i just looked it up so blizzard sold four million records in the states diary sold three so it's not like blizzard even with all those hits is a, an eight nine ten million seller it's still in the realm of, of what Diary did. I think The Ultimate Sim might be his biggest selling album, it which might, is really yeah. weird. Wow, good call, which Probably. is really weird. Just when Ozzy became cool, though. Yeah, and yeah, can, yeah. I, can I make a case for Ozzy? I would not call him a... Uh, like, I wouldn't put him up there in the pantheon of the most amazing singers of all time. I would put him up there in the pantheon of greatest vocalists of all times. Yeah, good call. Because his vocal, because uh, although, you know, he couldn't stand next to, uh, you know, a guy like uh, Freddie Mercury and have chop for chops, that's not who Ozzy was. But when Ozzy's voice comes on the radio, it doesn't take but one note to say that's Ozzy. And that's the sign of a great artist is they have yeah. a thumbprint, the same Absolutely. Absolutely signature. Sign yes, no signature doubt. Voice. There's not another guy that sounds like Ozzy. Right. I will say that I don't think Ozzy ever had better performances than he did on Diary of a Madman, mm. and I think part of that could be because of his elevated. He uh, was fighting for his life at that point. Yes, in time. Yeah. And as, the as an artist, him that was at a, a, a super critical point in his life, and he had 
one of the greatest bands on the planet yeah. with him writing I was going to say him. if I could possibly project onto something obviously I don't know this but you've got to remember as well obviously that Randy Rose died after that album and that really hit him hard yeah. and I do think yeah, that yeah. would have affected his performances you know, Jakey Lee was a great guitarist there's some great songs on those albums but I think well, Randy being there really put a fire under him and, and, and that's that also as well. that's why Rudy Sarzo left because he couldn't be in the band without Randy anymore Ozzy had no choice he had to stay mm-hmm. you know and going sales wise Bark did three Ultimate Sid did two oh, really? No More Tears was a four. Oh, okay. Four million. Last story before we go because we got to get to work. Um, uh, Ozzy hosted Raw, like I mentioned, and uh, Santino Morella was dressed up as Ozzy on the cover of Diary of a Madman, you know, the white yeah. ripped up, you know, tassels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he walked by as I was talking to Ozzy, and Ozzy went, um, guy looks just like me, man. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that's the idea. He's dressed up as you. And Ozzy just went, far out <laughs> I think that's the last thing you ever said to me far out so thank you guys what a great debate uh, thank you Merlin for making the trek all the way from London Cheers to Newcastle and uh, it's time to go play Merlin, some rock and roll Merlin 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 me 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 Lynn thanks to the amazingly named Merlin Alderslade what a great rock and roll name Merlin Alderslade and the rest of the dudes and Fozzie for weighing in on the class album clash Ozzy Osbourne edition and if it's more Ozzy you're after well first of all let me know who do you think which album do you like better hit me up on the Twitter at talk is Jericho do you like Diary of a Madman better or do you like Blizzard of Oz better let me know check it out tell me and let me know if you want to go on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea you can check out the world's greatest Ozzy Osbourne cover band Blizzard of Ozzy they might be playing the entire Blizzard of Oz and Diary of a Madman records we don't know if you want to find out you can put down 150 bucks that's all you need to book, uh, put a deposit on your cabin at uh, the ChrisJerichoCruise.com. $150. Bucks, that's all you need to do. You, put a, you got $150? You can re- reserve your cabin. That's all you need. And once you book that cabin, reserve it. Remember, you get everything else for free. Concerts, comedy shows, live podcasts, meet and greets, autograph signings, Blizzard of Oz uh, performances. It's all free, including your food. It's free. And you'll be able to hang out and get pictures and get autographs from the incredible lineup of guests for free. Jim Ross, free. Jerry the King Lawler, free. SoCal Val, Mick Foley, Noel Foley, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Ray Mysterio, Raven, Conan Disco, and Shane Helms. Keep it 100. Free to see them do their show live. Beyond the Darkness, telling some scary tales. Tim and Dave, it's free to get your sh- uh, the, the, the pants scared off you. Cole Cabana, Marty DeRosa doing the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast for free. You get to see it for free. Don Callis and Paul Lazenby doing Killing the Town Live. Pat Patterson, Karaoke Nights. Brad Williams, Craig Gass, Ron Funches, Sal and Q from the Impractical Jokers all performing for free. Busted Open, Dave LeGrec will be there. Corey Taylor from Slipknot and Stone Sour. Fozzie will be performing for free. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons. King, The Stir, The Dave Spivak Project, free. The Cherry Bumps, free. Shoot to Thrill, the world's best female ACDC cover band, free. Blizzard of Ozzy, free. All for free. And you get to watch the entire Ring of Honor, Sea of Honor tournament for free. Matches happening in the middle of the ocean on the ship. And the winner of the Sea of Honor tournament gets the Ring of Honor World heavyweight championship shot in the future Kenny Omega will be there the Young Bucks will be there Matt and Nick the villain Marty Skrull Briscoe Brothers Dalton Castle Frankie Kazarian Adam Page Chris Daniels Jade Lethal G-Bugger Mandy Lyon uh, Mandy Leon sorry uh, Kelly Klein Matt Taven Flip Gordon Delirious uh, Beer City Brawler 
will be there. The, the dogs will be there, man. Uh, Brian Cage, Melissa Santos, Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes. What more do you want? We've got everything you want in rock and roll and wrestling. Go book your cabin now. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. If you don't want to be a part of this, then you're a stupid idiot. Come make history. Be a part of the first ever Chris Jericho Rock and Wrestling Razor at Sea. ChrisJerichoCruise.com. We will see you there. And we'll see you on Friday. Because we got uh, the guy who might have invented Talkin' Shop. Everyone loves Talkin' Shop. Who invented it? Luke Gallows? No. Carl Anderson? No. The Rotating Fourth? No. The guy who might have invented Talkin' Shop is Rocky Romero. He's in New Japan. He's in the New Japan office. And he might just have created Talkin' Shop. We're going to talk all about that on Friday. And in the meantime, and in between time, stay hard, stay hungry, peace, love, and hugs, and a big... Bye. See you on Friday.